what I can do in 31 minutes. Why are y'all laughing? Ephesians 5. <laughs> okay. Ephesians 5. Uh, let's read the whole part, 15 through 21. Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. You have that? I don't want to shortchange on the scripture, okay? Okay, let's read together. Ready, read. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. We're talking today on part two, free refills. Thank you, Father, for the word today that we're receiving. I pray, Father, that every ear, every eye, and every heart is open down to receive what you have for us today. Speak now from heaven, and we will obey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, you may be seated. All right, last Sunday we began this message on uh, free refills. Free refills, and of course, you understand when you go to a restaurant, you go somewhere, uh, you can get free refills if you order the right beverage. Right? If you order orange juice at Kissing Cuz, you got to pay for the refills. But if you order a Diet Pepsi or whatever, you can get free refills. Right? And uh, so there are free refills out there. I actually saw an article yesterday that talked about free refills on French fries. They said that, that at restaurants, McDonald's, I don't just mean like Red Robin, that's, that's true, they, they know that. But at McDonald's and like Chick-fil-A and other restaurants, they say that it's not on the menu, they don't state it, but there's sort of this under, uh, undercover policy that if you ask for, for free refills on your fries, they'll give them to you. And I said, wow, that's interesting, I never tried that. But I might try that one day, see if they give me, that takes some daring faith. Right? Yeah, refill that diet lemonade and refill them all the fries for me, please. <laughs> Both of them. But we talked about how when you and I have uh, experienced salvation, remember we talked on that series about not neglecting your, your great salvation? How when you and I have salvation, we ought to be filled with joy. Because there's no way that you can know what God has delivered you from and then have an understanding of what God has delivered you to and not have your life filled with the joy of the Lord. Y'all got that? God delivered us from things and he's delivering us to things. Over in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy 6 verse 23, the Bible says he brought us out. goes on to say that he might bring us in. So whatever God has brought you out of, he, he didn't bring you out to leave you where you are. He brought you out to take you into something else. So not only has God delivered us from something, but he's also delivering us to some other things. And so when you're thankful for what God has delivered you from, you are, you are joyful. I'm joyful that I'm not bound to what I was bound to years ago. I'm joyful that Jesus Christ has changed my life. He's really changed my life. You, you might have liked me, but you wouldn't have liked me very well the old way I was. But God has changed my life. And so uh, I not only... I not only know what he brought me from, but I have an idea from the word of God and from prophetic utterance what he's taking me to. And so that keeps me full of joy. Amen. Now, in Psalm 105, verse 43, talk about those same children of Israel that we just mentioned from Deuteronomy 6. In Psalm 105, verse 43, I'm kind of going a little fast to get through this review here. He says he brought his people out or he brought out his people rather with what? Joy. His chosen ones with gladness. Have you ever seen anybody get delivered and they're sad about it? No. Anybody you ever seen who get, gets delivered, they're happy about it. Now, I'll tell you, I've been, uh, as in, my, in my time uh, preaching in other countries, uh, I've been to Africa and I've been to uh, Marshall Island. Those are the only two countries I've been to. But even my experience with the Marshallese people, it's very interesting because they get healed or they get delivered and they're like unemotional about it. I mean, somebody can come up, to, come up to the front and they couldn't hear. I mean, deaf. And you lay hands on them, they receive their, their hearing, and they go, 
Praise the Lord. <laughs> You're like, wow, okay, nothing. Praise God. But people around me, I'm, I'm used to when we get delivered from something, you're happy about it. Hallelujah. I ain't, I ain't seen no, nobody ever be sad when they get out of prison. Because sadness and deliverance do not go together. Now look in, I want you to go to the book of Acts, New Testament, Acts chapter 5, or 8 rather, Acts chapter 8. Hallelujah. Y'all give me a little, little time today. Acts 8. Look down here at verse uh, 5, please. It says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the what? Miracle. The miracles which he did. For Look, watch this. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. When they were possessed, it means they were controlled. Right? So the spirits came out, and many who were paralyzed, paralyzed means that they couldn't move anything. They were, they were under the control of their bodies. And it says, and lame, they were paralyzed and lame, were healed. Now watch what verse 8 says. And there was great what? Joy. Great what? Joy. Joy in that city. Why were they so joyful? Because they experienced this mass deliverance. These mass healings, the, they have seen the power and the glory of God. And so when, when you experience that in your life, you cannot be sad about God delivering you. There's going to be some joy in your life. Hallelujah. Because true salvation is always accompanied by joy. Y'all got this here. Go to 1 Peter, please. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. Go back to, to the end of the book. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Let me know when you get there by saying amen. amen. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Look at what it says here. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his what? Abundant mercy, Abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, and undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, watch this, who are kept by the power of God through faith for what? Salvation, Salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6, in this, now you know you're already saved and you're joyful, but he's talking about a greater salvation that's coming. He says, so in this, you greatly rejoice. See, when you have hope of what God even is going to do in your life, when you're believing God is going to bring you a, a, a new house or a new spouse or a new job or a new whatever it is you believe in God for, when you have this, you already have this great rejoicing in your life. Watch this. Though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Oh, do y'all see that? He said, though for a little while, you've been grieved by various trials. How is it that you can have grief by various trials and yet be rejoicing? Oh, y'all missed that. He said, you've been grieved, but yet you're rejoicing. That means that when something happens to make you grieve, you don't have to, have to abide by that grief. You do not have to live. My wife tells people this all the time and I watch and I admire when she says this. When people are going through the experience of loss of a loved one. And she says, don't, let, don't deal with this through your soul. Because if you let your soul deal with this, you will let grief come in and the spirit of grief will come and it will paralyze you. But if you can let your spirit react, your spirit man will react with joy. And many people have no idea how to react with joy when they're going through a grievous situation, even just a grievous trial. And you can tell it when they have this somber, long face. Their countenance is all sad. But the Bible says, in this you greatly rejoice, even if you have been grieved by various trials. So it's possible to have a grievous trial or a grievous situation and still be rejoicing. In other words, here's the question. Can you praise God in the middle of it? I better look over here. Can you praise God in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your suffering? Can you still praise God? Can you still let joy come up out of your spirit? Let me keep going here. He says, verse 7, 
that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him yet believing, though now you do not see the dream manifesting, though now you do not see the vision manifesting, though now you do not see that promise manifesting, though now you do not see what you prayed for, though you do not right now see what you sold for, what you do not, you do not see what you vow for, you do not see what you believe God for, though you do not see it, yet you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory this is how you receive the end of your faith the salvation of your soul this is how you keep your soul from going out of whack it's by rejoicing even when you can't see it I wish I had some praises in here y'all must be tired already I'll, I'll, I'll let y'all go home if you need to go home can you rejoice when you don't have it yet. Because y'all have heard me say this, and I, 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 in fact, this morning, I heard Dr. Bill Winston say it in his message this morning. He said, there, there's a time frame, there's a gap between I believe I receive and there it is. So when you believe you receive something, you believe God has given you something, but between that time and the time that you get manifestation, there will be various trials. But you have joy because you know that God is going to keep his word. And you think about what he's already done, what he's already brought you out of, what he's already, already delivered you from. You give God praise and glory right now. He said joy inexpressible and full of glory. Do y'all see this? So salvation and joy go hand in hand. All right, y'all got it? I showed you last week in Joel chapter 1 verse 12 in the King James Version. I talked about all the trees of the field are withered away because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Y'all got it? Okay. All right, now that's enough review. Let's, let's get into this here. So one reason why joy dries up. Now what's my subject today? Free refills. Part two. So we need to be filled up again. One reason why joy dries up, one reason why we dry up, why we wither, is, watch this, sin. And I know it's 2022, and in most churches they don't talk about sin anymore. But it's sin still a thing. Not, not no COVID ain't a thing no more, but sin is still a thing. COVID's come and gone now. Everybody, everybody back. Everybody free now. But sin is still a thing. Tell your neighbor, sin is still a thing. And it will dry you up. I'm talking about why we need a refill. It's because there is a thing called sin. And sin will zap your juice. Sin will zap your joy. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Now, some of y'all looking at me like you've never experienced that, but let me give you a Bible for it. Look in Psalm number 38. Psalm number 38. It's real. It's real. You can just look straight ahead, but it's real. You've been there. Say something to me now. You've been there. You got caught up in something or fell into something or slipped up on something. Whatever you call it, whatever you call it. Or so easily beset. And you know what happened. Everything began to dry up on the inside. Look at Psalm 38, verse 3 through 5. Look at what uh, David says here. He says, there is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of... Sin will dry you out. He says, for my iniquities have gone over my head like a burden, a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. So when you're in sin, it doesn't matter how the praise team sings. 
When you're in sin, it doesn't matter how hard the preacher preaches. When you're in sin, it doesn't matter how hard the usher smile and how hard the greeter smile at you. Hey, how you doing? Welcome, 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 welcome. When you're in sin, you can't smile. You can't function. Now, I'm talking about not as a believer. As a believer, when you know you've gotten in sin, it begins to dry you out. But somebody please tell your neighbor, you don't have to stay that way. Tell somebody as you don't have to stay that way. When you feel, let me just take a survey. How many of y'all have ever felt spiritually dry and no sin was somewhere in the story? Thank you. We can all be honest. Truth better be told. So what do I do when I feel dry because of sin? It's real easy. Repent. Oh, that went over your heads. Just repent. Don't waddle in it because the more you waddle in it, the more dry you're going to be. Don't let condemnation now crush you and now you disconnect from God. You remember when, remember when, 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 when Peter, Peter, he sinned in the fact, we, we call it sin, I'm, I'm calling it sin, when he denied Jesus Christ. He sinned because he said, I don't know the man. Now he knew Jesus Christ. He was one of Jesus' close, I mean, he was his close disciple in the top three. And he's going to lie and say, I don't, I don't know the man. Then he start cussing out. I love my bank, you know, not tongues. He was cussing the people out. I don't know the bleepity man, bleepity bleep. Get out of my face, bleepity bleep. Blank, blank, pow, pow. He's doing all that. And he felt so bad he couldn't look up. When, when Jesus told him, you're going you're gonna to do it. And he said, you're going to do it when, and when the cock throw, uh, uh, crows. And the cock crowed, and Peter felt so bad. Oh, my God, he was so dejected. But Jesus came right to him and restored him. On the other hand, there's Judas, who sinned by betraying Jesus. And when he tried to make it right, he didn't go to Jesus. He went to the priests, tried to give them their money back, and they threw it back, threw the money back at him and said, no, what is that to us? And he became so overcome by his condemnation. Peter fell to conviction and conviction allowed him to stay. Judas fell to condemnation and he took his own life. And what the devil will do is if we get into any sin, y'all look at me right now. If we get into any sin, he will bring condemnation. Conviction is from the Holy Ghost. I said conviction is from the Holy Ghost. Come on, I know it's 2022 and people don't think you need conviction. Conviction is from the Holy Ghost. We need conviction. We need the Holy Ghost to say, hey, that, that's not how we operate. Get that right. But condemnation comes from the enemy to tell us that God will not receive us anymore. We can't go up in that church because everybody knows my business. No, everybody doesn't know your business. Nobody knows what you don't put on Facebook. If you don't put it on Facebook, ain't nobody going to know it. But the devil will tell you everybody knows it. And that condemnation will, will begin to dry you out. It'll eat you up. So what do I do, Elder Baker? Is I repent. And I ask God to fill me up. I repent. And I ask God to fill me up. Remember, David is the one who writes this Psalm 38. Look at Psalm 51. David writes the same thing. David, David is the same writer who wrote 38. He writes 51. Look at 51, hallelujah, verse 10. Verse 10. He's talking about the same sin. But look at what he says in verse 10. He says, create it, and only start in verse 7. Start in verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. That the bones you have broken. Remember he talked about his bones where it had no soundness in verse 38, chapter 38. He said that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out. Oh, thank you, Lord. Create in me a clean heart. And renew a steadfast or right spirit 
Create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast or right spirit within me. What he's saying? Fill me up. God, forgive me and fill me up. Forgive me and fill me up. Verse 11, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit. I know I messed up God, but I repent. I know I blew it, Lord, but I come to you. And I'm asking you, whatever you do, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit. Don't take your presence from me. Y'all got this here? All right, now, let's look at another reason why joy dries up. It's because, not because of sin, but because we fail to get spiritual refills. F-A-I-L. We fail to get spiritual refills. What do you mean by that? Do you know that you being full of joy and walking in the joy of the Lord, sometimes in this life is not what we're not, is not what we're doing, is what we're not doing. In other words, we can look at, well, I'm not doing any sin. I'm not at sin. I'm not fornicating. I'm not whatever, whatever. These sins we can name, go down the whole list. But that's not the only thing that contributes to drying up. It's what are, what are we not doing? Thank God we're, we're, we're uh, not doing what we shouldn't do. But something, sometimes we're also not doing what we should do. Does that make sense to y'all? Yeah, you ain't beating up, you ain't, you ain't jack man, but you're also not fellowshipping with the Spirit. No, you're not, you're not out there sneaking around, cheating around, but you're also not fasting. No, you're not out there and you're not out there smoking, you know, uh, weed with fentanyl. Or snorting cocaine with fentanyl. Anybody here on drugs, you better get off that stuff. Listen, because people, this stuff killing folk. I know you're not doing that, but you're also not spending time in the word of God. Oh, you're also not praising God. You come to church and everybody else praises you. You're just standing there looking like, isn't that nice? Everybody's praising God. God, I love you. No, you better praise you some God. You better open up your mouth. You better make a joyful noise to the Lord. You better serve the Lord with gladness. You better come before his presence with singing. See, because if you're not doing those things, although you're not sinning, you're also not winning. You're not, you're not being filled. And you can, you can become spiritually stagnant. And if you're spiritually stagnant, then pretty soon your joy is going to dry up anyway. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Now, remember we looked at, oh no, go, go to Romans 14 verse 17. Because we got to get this joy that comes from the Holy Ghost. By next Sunday I'm going to be on the Holy Ghost. I, I'll get to there. I only got a couple minutes here now, but I'm, I want to show you this is all about the Holy Ghost. Can you say the Holy Ghost? Holy Ghost. Say aloud, the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Romans 14, verse 17 says this. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, or King James says meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and what? Joy, joy in the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Yes, so there's joy in the Holy Ghost. Yes, How many understand that you need the Holy Ghost? And remember, we started in Ephesians. That's what we're going to get back to eventually, Ephesians 5, where it says, be filled with the Spirit. Because when you and I are filled with the Spirit, joy comes with. And you have to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Because joy is in the Holy, Holy Spirit. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We could also surmise, and I, I don't know if we could really argue with this, that there's also, that there is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That all three of those are in the Holy Ghost. It's hard for you to be righteous without the Holy Ghost. I mean, he's the spirit of peace. <laughs> right? Are y'all listening today? 
Okay, now let's look at something else here. Thank you, Lord. Galatians chapter 5. There's joy in the Holy Ghost. There's joy in the Holy There's peace in the Holy Ghost. Galatians chapter 5. Look at um, verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 23, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. Look at the next two, joy and peace. I want to focus on, again, joy. So the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Glory to God. Now I want us to go back in the living Bible, please. Glory to God. And give me verses uh, 19 through 23. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Galatians 5, 19 through 23 says, But when you follow your own wrong inclinations, your lives will produce these evil results. How many of you know there are some evil results? What are the evil results? Impure thoughts. Has anybody ever had an impure thought? Well, why am I getting an impure thought? Because you followed your own inclination. Now, he is talking to believers here. This is the church at Ephesus. Not the world, I'm sorry, the church at Galatia, rather. Not the world at Galatia. This is the church at Galatia. So it says, when you follow wrong inclinations, you will have impure thoughts, eagerness, eagerness. This ain't you falling into something. This ain't you slipping. Y'all ain't saying much back to me. Let me know if I'm boring, y'all. I can go home and go eat. Eagerness for lustful. Yeah, you initiating. You setting up the hookup. Eagerness for lustful pleasure. Keep going, verse 20. Idolatry. Look at the next one. Spiritism. That is encouraging the activity of demons. Spiritism. When people getting all into the, into the roots and into the, the crystals and into the beads and into the wood and into the, all the stuff, it's spiritism. And it's encouraging activity of demons. But this is all just coming from, this to the believers. This, just in the flesh, okay? Hatred, come on, and fighting, jealousy, and anger. Constant effort to get the best for yourself. This is not, this is not about you constantly getting, you know, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to get the best kind of car. No, it's getting the best for yourself, which means you're actually competing with other people for the best. This is all coming out of the flesh here. Complaints and criticisms, the feeling that everyone else is wrong, except those your own little group. And there will be wrong doctrine. Keep going. Here's other results. Envy, murder, drunkenness, wild parties, and all that sort of thing. These are believers. He said, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now let's look at the flip side. Verse 22. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives. Did I just teach you here today? But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives. Now what happened before? We were in control. The flesh was in control. Of believers. But he said when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce. He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love. There it is. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here, there is no conflict with, the Jewish, with Jewish laws. So when he controls our lives, he'll produce joy. In other words, he's a generator of joy. Glory to God. So to get that generator working, I've got to yield to his control. So whatever he says, I do it. Whatever he says don't do, I don't do. Let me clap for myself right there. All right? Now, 
Let me show you something here. Tell your neighbor, you need the Holy Ghost. So to keep from drying out, I've got to be filled. Because if I don't get filled and stay filled, I will dry out and wither away. Okay, now remember we looked at the book of Acts chapter 8. And we saw where Philip preached there in Samaria. Is it ringing a bell? Three of y'all. Is it ringing a bell? We just read it just about 20 minutes ago. Philip preached in Samaria. Demons were cast out. People were healed. The paralyzed got up and walked. And there was great joy. I think it's verse 8. Acts 8, 8. Great joy in that city. Right? But I want you to watch because you need the Holy Ghost. So back in Acts chapter 8, look at verse 14. They got great joy in that city, Shante. They're happy. We're doing good. People believe in God. Now they're serving God. But watch verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Well, Philip's already there. He's already preached the word of God to them. They're believers. They've been healed. They've been delivered. They've been set free. But when the apostles heard that they had had this happen, they sent Peter and John. Why? Because there's another level. Verse 15. Who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might, come on, receive Oh, boy, I'm going to sit down because y'all look like this is boring, man. Can y'all take this here? How many Holy Ghost filled people do I have in this house? Okay, so I'm in the right house. Okay, so it says, who when they come now, pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Deke, they've already been saved. They're already believers. They've already been healed. They've already been delivered. They already had demons cast out. Life is good. The city is full of joy. But what the apostles know is, if we don't add this next step, your joy is going to run out. Because it's the Holy Ghost that generates joy. There was great joy in verse 8 because they had seen the acts of the Holy Ghost. But the acts of the Holy Ghost would not maintain joy without the Holy Ghost now coming on the inside of them. Boy, can y'all say amen to this? Who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they've been saved. They've been to the water. And they've been baptized. But they don't have the Holy Ghost. And the apostles know, y'all better listen to me, that if they don't get the Holy Ghost on the inside, they're going to run out real soon. Verse 17, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now they have just experienced this powerful encounter. But the apostles knew you've got to get the Holy Ghost. Can I show you something else here? Now where is this happening again? Where is this, y'all? Y'all took y'all a long time. Where is this happening, y'all? In Samaria. If you go back to John chapter 4, these same people, remember now between Jesus' ministry and Philip's ministry to Peter and John, we don't talk about about two or three years here. Jesus had just left. This is not 10 years later. This isn't 20 years later. This This isn't a century later. This is only a few years. And in John 4, Jesus Christ had been there and remember the woman at the well? Where was that? Samaria. It's the same city. The same city, Samaria. And he dealt with this woman at the well, and she went back into town and told everybody, hey, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Now look, look at verse 39. It says, 
And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. They believed. Keep going, verse 40. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him, with them, and he stayed there two days. He did a two-day crusade there. Verse 41, and many more believed because of his own word. So now here's Samaria filled with believers. But <laughs> the problem was they believed. But remember what Jesus had told that woman in the 14th verse. He said in the 14th verse, he said, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He said, if you drink this water that I give you. Now, did he ever give her any physical water? And he didn't give her anything. They just believed his word. And he had said, remember John 7, John 7, where Jesus says, Whoever comes to me and drinks, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. But this he spake concerning the Holy Ghost that was to come. And he had not come yet because Jesus Christ had not yet been glorified. So in John 4, he had not been glorified. But in Acts 8, he's been glorified. I'm teaching better than y'all that know. In John 4, he had not been glorified. But in Acts 8, he has been glorified. So between John 4 and Acts 8, he's been glorified. So what he promised in John 7 can now come in Acts 8 because he's now been glorified. So although in John 4, they believed and they were happy. And although in Acts 8, when Philip went back there and preached. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Go back, to, go back to Acts uh, uh, 8 and verse 6. No, verse, verse 9. Glory to God. Watch this. Watch this. But there was a certain man called Simon who was previously practiced sorcery in the city, and the son of people of Samaria claiming that he was some, someone great to whom all they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God, and they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorcerers for a long time. But when they uh, believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized, and Simon himself also was uh, believed, and he was also baptized, so on and so forth. Now, it, between John 4, Luanda, and Luanda, <laughs> Between John 4 and Acts 8, Simon the sorcerer is now leading the people. I'm going to come over here. Between John 4, where they believed in Jesus, and you get to Acts 8, and there's Simon the sorcerer who got the whole city on lockdown through his sorcery. Why? Because although they believed and although they had joy in John 4, they didn't have the Holy Ghost. So they couldn't discern between what was real and what was not. But in Acts 8, when Simon the sorcerer, when he saw the real, he said, hey, I believe in that. Because the devil knows what's real. But when you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can't discern what's real. So you'll start filling up on the fake. And when you fill up on the fake, it's going to zap all your joy. All that joy they had from, from, from John 4 is all gone now. This is helping anybody here. So that's why the apostles had to go down. They say, okay, they got great joy. They believe. They've been delivered, but they need something. They need what they saw, what they experienced to now be internalized. They don't need the Holy Ghost just around them. They need the Holy Ghost in them. Because if they have the Holy Ghost in them, now they'll be filled with joy and they can say joyful all the time as long as they say filled with the Holy Ghost. Are y'all seeing this here today? Thank you, Lord. All right, let me give you one last piece here. One last piece. Woo-wee. So, 
Can you understand then why the devil fights so hard against the church about the Holy Ghost? Can you understand why he does such a good job of convincing believers that they don't need this next level of experience? And what he's convinced people to do, to, to believe is, well, when you got saved, you got filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, you got to explain Acts 8 to me. Because if when they got saved, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, the disciples would not have had to travel far all the way from Jerusalem to Samaria to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Because they were already saved. So that ruins that theory that people have of the moment you get saved, you're now filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes, he has come to you. In fact, you can't get saved without the Holy Spirit drawing you. But you are not yet filled with the Holy Ghost just because you got saved. And so that's why you have these uh, peaks and valleys, ebbs and flows. Waxing and waning in your emotions because you're not filled with this, with this uh, divine supply, this divine generator. And so you then are forced to try to generate your joy from some external experience. So you got to go to a conference to get high. You got to go to a club to get high. You got to take some drug to get high. Believers, you got to try some new experience. You got to get some new revelation to get high. But when you get the Holy Ghost on the inside, he generates your high from the inside and you say high all the time high on the Holy Ghost when you get filled and you say filled you don't need to find your high and your joy and your excitement from the outside you have an internal generator on the inside that's constantly producing joy even in the midst of grievous trials even in the midst of persecution. Even in deep poverty. The Macedonian church, the Bible says, they abounded with joy in their deep poverty. Why? They got the Holy Ghost, man. When Paul preached in Macedonia, he made sure that they didn't just get saved, but they got filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you have a joy generated on the inside of you, it does not matter then what external things happen in your life. Doesn't matter who leaves and who goes. It doesn't matter who comes and who stays or who runs away. It doesn't matter what doors open and what doors close. There's an external, there's an internal generator on the inside. You, you know, we, we, live, we live here in Florida, we live here in the, this Bay Area where we, we, they say we're prone to these hurricanes and things that come along. And even if, even if we don't get the big one, there's a lady the other day trying to curse us saying, you know, the big one's going to kill us, take us all out. No. No, we're not. No, we got, we got authority over that. <laughs> no, we can't, we're not going to let that happen, right? So, so, but what happens when the power goes out? What happens when you're disconnected from that external source called Duke? If you have a generator, your generator will produce the power you need. Even if you're disconnected, and thank you, Holy Ghost. So what happened is the devil was so strategic to get the body of Christ disconnected over the last two years through COVID. And the main ones who got disconnected are the ones who didn't have the Holy Ghost. So now they're not connected and they don't have a generator. Y'all ain't got to say much to me. I know it's right. They're not connected and they don't have a generator. So that's why now even when their churches reopen, they over there having brunch. Even when the church reopens, they're down the street having, having coffee in. And the suicide rate, and, and, and churches, churches had to do mental health weeks and mental health months. Why? Because people weren't together and they didn't have this internal generator called the Holy Ghost. 
Y'all ain't got to say much, but I know it's right. I, I mean, I, I, I know, I listen, I have my ear to the ground about what's happening in church across the world. I mean, that's my lane, so I got to know what's happening in the church. And the reports, the, the lists are seemingly endless of people and, and churches who just, they had to do these kind of things because the reality was they were trying to give these mental health and these bringing in psychiatrists and psychologists trying to, trying to uh, uh, mentally uh, help people get through something that the generator would have already just pushed you right through. I wish I had one or two more witnesses here. So when you have the Holy Ghost, it doesn't matter what happens around you. It doesn't matter if the church gets shut down next week. I still got a generator on the inside. That's, that's how I get from Monday through Saturday. I, can't, I don't always have a keyboard and drums and a praise team around me. But when you have the Holy Ghost on the inside, you have a generator in your car and a generator at your job and a generator at your school and a generator at your house and a generator in the market, a generator on your walk and a generator on your run that keeps the joy of the Lord inside. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. You've got to have this generator. Yes, sir. You've got to have something on the inside working on the outside. You've got to have something deep on the inside that, that, that's always churning power. Always. Always. Because there are going to be some times when you can't get through to the prayer line. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. The prayer down shuts down at midnight. What you gonna do at 3 a.m.? I was, I was in a battle from Friday up through this morning. A physical battle. I was in a physical battle. I mean a battle, battle. From Friday through, through this morning. And I, I, I laid down last night, got a, got a shower, laid down, and I realized this is last night. I said, Lord, what in the world is wrong with me? I've been battling for over for 24 hours and I didn't even stop to think, let me pray about this. I was trying every natural remedy, everything I could, everything I looked up, let me try, I'm doing this, doing this, doing that, doing that. And all of a sudden, I said, Lord, forgive me. I'm, I mean, I'm in pain. I'm saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't, even, I didn't even pray about this. And I just laid hands on myself. Lord, in Jesus' name, I command this body to be healed right now. Oh, and I thank God that I have the Holy Ghost generator on the inside. God, I gotta, God, I gotta go in here and preach tomorrow. I gotta stand before your people tomorrow. I can't, I can't be like this. And the Holy Ghost generator. And before day this morning, I got my breakthrough. Thank you, Lord. What's, what's that all about? It's, I have something on the inside. And in Acts chapter 8, the apostles knew. Okay, I'm going to save the rest of this for next week. Let me show you something here. Go to, um, thank you, Jesus. Go to Acts and chapter 19. This is so important. How many of y'all have heard of, a, of, of um, Aquila and Priscilla? Yes. All those people that worked with Paul and Apollos and all these people that worked with him. They were teaching. Look at, y'all remember now, we started out in Acts 5. That's what we're going to get back to eventually. Before this month is out, we're going to get back to Acts 5. Because that's what the bulk of the teaching is going to be in Acts 5, right? About being filled with the Spirit. Now, yeah, I'm sorry, in Ephesians 5. Thank you for correcting me. Ephesians 5. Now, I want you to watch because he tells the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 5 to don't be drunk with the wine but be filled with the Spirit at Ephesus. Now, look at Acts 19. 
And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to where? Ephesus. And finding some hoodlums. Finding some unbelievers. He found some disciples. These are believers who they're following Jesus. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. But these are born again disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they said we hadn't even heard of anything but the Holy Ghost. But, but I want you to notice Paul's, thank you Holy Ghost, Paul's care for the church. That he knows, thank you Holy Spirit, Ephesus is like an epicenter of, of, of the free market. Ephesus is a major city. Ephesus is like, like living in Ephesus is like living in, in Manhattan. A major world trade post. Not only world trade, but world religion. A crossroads of religion. That in Ephesus, you remember Ephesus is where they had the, the temple to the goddess Diana. Remember in Acts chapter 16. And so, Paul knows, Lord, I can't just leave you as believers. It's too much out here. I said Acts 16, Acts 19. I can't just leave you out here just having this experience with salvation. Because there's too much out here. There's too much temptation out here. Y'all better say something back to me. It's, it's too much, boy. It's too much internet, boy. It's too much. Too much to look at out here, boy. It's too. There's all kind of people out here who are just willing to share their whole bodies with you. Ephesus was a, I mean, a place. Y'all young men, hear me now. <laughs> I mean, y'all boys better hear me now. These girls outnumber you 16 to 1. And they willing to give you anything you want. You ain't even got to marry them. You ain't got to be just, you, you don't even have to be, have to be uh, faithful. And if you're just going to have salvation <laughs> and no Holy Ghost, you in trouble. Some of y'all ladies help me out. You know, they just men too. There's ladies now. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this because in Ephesus, if you, have, if you do a study of the goddess of Diana, Diana was this, this fertility god, and, and it was very sexual. So Ephesus was a very sexualized culture, much like today. So Paul said, I can't just walk up on y'all and know you're saved and say, wait, 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 wait. You just saved, you're going to need something a little more than salvation, baby. Oh, you're going to need a little more than just salvation because <laughs> it's some stuff, boy. Is, it, is that how it is today? Yes. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? And so they said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism, which was a baptism of repentance. John indeed, and he says, verse 4. Thank you, Lord. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance. Sends the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized, watch this, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. They didn't have that 
as just believers. And watch this because I hear some voices in here. They didn't have that just by the baptism in the Lord's name. Boy, the Holy Ghost. Paul laid hands on them. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. It's one of the, one of the terminology that we use about being filled, baptized in the Holy Ghost. And they spoke with the tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. All right. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there for sake of time. My point to you today is that you cannot survive on just salvation alone. You need, you must have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a must. So much so in Acts 8, they sent Peter and John on there, hey, go get them guys filled with the Holy Ghost. And what we've done in the modern church is we've made People filling out a little decision card. Oh, I, I believe in, I received Jesus today. And they got a little card and now we, okay, good, go out there. You're you good now. That's not enough. Well, no, we have it where they come down to the altar and give the hands of the preacher. Say, I believe, I repent, I, re- I believe in Jesus now. Put up Acts 2.38. There's all the apostolics in the house. (laughs) People ask Peter, what must we do to be saved? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name uh, name of Jesus Christ for the mission of sins And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when you get baptized now in Jesus' name, as as he's teaching here, you now can receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there are people who get saved and get baptized in the Holy Ghost the same day. It it can happen to people on the same day, get filled, get saved, and get baptized in the Holy Ghost the same day. But because that's not the mode of the church anymore, that we sort of make it where... You got saved, and we have you fill out this little card, and okay, now you, we got your number and everything. Join, go to new members class, and that's great. And now they got new members class. Now they've completed all the classes. Now they're part of the church. Now they're going to usher. Now they're going to be a deacon. Now they're going to be a missionary. Now they're going to be all that. And no Holy Ghost. And then we wonder why all the stories and the scandals and the little little backdrop stuff happens in the church because we're letting people get out there with no Holy Ghost. But when you get the Holy Ghost, he's a game changer. Not only will he keep you from falling and keep you from stumbling, he'll present you faultless. He'll do those things, right? But it'll also keep you from drying out. You go back out there because when you're going to leave here today, and when you leave here in just a few minutes, there ain't going to be no praise and worship team. There ain't going to be no pastor preaching you and encouraging you with a little word. There ain't going to be nobody coming to hug you and say, come on, baby, this is a great, hallelujah, you're, you're beautiful, you're wonderful. You got to go out there and deal with the world. And it's coming to dry you out. But if you have the Holy Ghost, you flick on that switch, and he'll fill you up again. Keep generating that joy on the inside. 
so you can keep going every day. Amen? Amen. Get on your feet and give God a praise today. Come on, you've heard some stuff today. Give God a praise for the word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody just lift your voices. Just pray for a moment. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. If you don't, just pray in English. Just pray. Just give God thanks. Just praise him right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Anybody in this room, you're not saved, I want to give you the chance right now to be saved. I know it's, it's 1.30, it's late, and you, could, you want to get home and get warm, but 